welcome to Mommy with Mama Sal's Bad Words. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I, I did it. Good job. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to season four of Mom Jeans. This season is called the Bite Size Education Series, where we give you quick bits of science and psychoeducation to help you in your journey towards body respect. This season, we will be answering your listener questions and interviewing amazing experts to expand your knowledge. So get ready for easily digestible, pun intended, pieces of education in podcast form. Welcome to this week's episode. We are diving into postpartum depression, into mental health, into self-care for parents. So we are excited to give you a two-part episode this week. Tina and I are going to chat today and answer a listener question. And then later on this week, you'll hear an awesome interview. So Tina, we got some questions about this topic. Do you want to read one of our listener questions and then we are going to dive in and answer it as best as we can and give you all some information. Yes. Here we go. Thank you, listener, for sending in your question. All right. Dear Mom Jeans, I have struggled with being overwhelmed, exhausted, and feeling stuck in my new phase as a mom with two young children. I feel like the world is passing me by and each day I am just trying to survive. I want to learn to thrive, but the things that will make me feel alive are the self-care hobbies, like I miss my book book club, or activities, I miss my yoga, and behaviors, I just want to sleep and cook a decent meal. Snaps to that, right? They just don't feel feasible. How can I practice self-care even while I am struggling with what is probably postpartum depression? Love, exhausted mama. Ooh. Mm, I feel yeah. Right? I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I don't know about you. I feel it in my bones. I think this is such a great question because it talks about the conundrum that we all face as parents. That fine line between who are we now and how do we raise our kids and how do we do this? How do we do it all? It is so, so overwhelming. I don't know about you, but nobody told me how hard it was going to be, right? I feel like when I got pregnant for the first time, everyone was like, yay, this is going to be amazing. Like, how do you feel? All this stuff. And then it's like, no one really sat me down and was like, boo, are you ready to get into some shit? You're about to enter into the hardest phase of your life. And it, yes, it's beautiful, but it's also very dark. And scary and sad and hard. 
I feel like, Rachel, you are continuously the only one that tells me, like, Tina, it does not get better right now, okay? You are in it. We are all in it. And, like, Rachel's the Debbie Downer of my childhood, my (laughs) parenting life. But, like, guess what? I need that. I I need it. I'm a realist. The cup is half empty. Um... (laughs) Whenever I see people pregnant with subsequent children, I'm always like, ah, good luck. Like, I hope you're going to be okay. Because, like, ugh, it's so hard. No, I mean, congratulations. But it's because there's still a stigma. There is. And, like, yeah. Yeah. okay, this season, yes, I am pregnant in this season. We've already disclosed that. We've talked about it, whatever. And... I feel like now I'm in the phase of like, I have to tell my clients and I am telling my clients they're not going to hear about it on this episode, but whoops, no, they, they won't. Um, and everybody I tell is like, congrats. They're like, this is on purpose, right? And I'm like, even if it wasn't on purpose, like, yes, there's this beautiful joy and also this like, I know what I'm getting into. I know what I'm getting into, y'all, and I am scared, okay? I'm scared. You want to know why? Because I'm sleeping through the night, and yet it is still hard. Like, what am I going to do? So I feel like in this episode, Rachel is going to be like the guru of education. I'm going to offer little nuggets of self-disclosure and or further insight, but Rachel is going to be the nugget of information because... We need to dive deeper into this because it is something that all parents are going through. And if you are not going through this, like, woo, you are the diamond in the rough. Okay, because it's it's so common. All right, Rachel here. So I am going to try to answer as many questions as I can that Tina has or based on this listener question, based on just personal experience, I have three children, four pregnancies and when my third was born, which was an unexpected pregnancy, my oldest was not even five yet. So it was it was quite a doozy of a time period. Um, as a result, I did suffer with a lot of postpartum depression and a lot of struggling to find health. And I was a therapist and I still didn't know how to figure out how to get the help and the support. So it's definitely made me an advocate for this topic. Um, I actually went back and did a certification from Postpartum Support International, PSI, which is a great resource that we will link for maternal mental health. Um, and so I'm really passionate about trying to kind of bring this into my work as much as possible. So I think I think normalizing postpartum is the number one thing that we all need to do. And I think that's somewhat why I'm a realist, because Tina, I hope that if I hope you don't struggle. But if you do, you know that I'm a safe person to call, I would hope now, because I have not sprinkled too much confetti. Like, congratulations and call (laughs) me when it's hard. (laughs) So, right. Yeah, I can call you and be like, I am sitting in the bathroom crying. For the first but I, time, it is. me taking a But I hope that's because yeah. it's somewhat normalized because yeah. we don't talk about it enough. And if once we all start talking about it, we all start realizing this person's safe for me to call. So I, I really, really think it's so important for all of the parents out there to continue to just share the good right. times and the hard times because it really normalizes this. Well, I think that was the hardest part for me when I had Henry and entered into that postpartum period where... This was not talked about. And like I work in mental health field. And so 
You would think that this was talked about. I did a support group during my pregnancy. It just wasn't talked about enough. So I think, yes, normalizing is really important because as I was going through it, I was in the mindset of like, hammer through it. This is normal. You shouldn't feel this way. Like, you're just tired. It'll pass. And like, no, that's that's not actually healthy. And it actually was really harmful to me. It was harmful for people around me. And so I think the more we talk about it, the more we bring light to this situation, then if not, if you're not going through it specifically, then at least it's able to help others around you. So just a little bit of some education stats for you all. We know that not everyone identifies with the word mom, but the studies that use this terminology is how, are the words they use and the terms they use. Um, and it includes both birth and adoptive parents. Um, according to PSI, 80% of new mothers will experience baby blues. One in seven will experience depression or anxiety during pregnancy or postpartum. And let's not forget, one in 10 fathers experience postpartum depression. So it is experienced by the paternal figure as well. So you're saying that the person that maybe didn't birth Mm-hmm. can also experience that's interesting yes, you can be diagnosed with postpartum depression even if you are not the birth that just shows how hard this shit is body right mm-hmm. like yeah yeah absolutely it's not just hormones right it's not just hormones it is the grief and the loss and the transition which we'll go into um however we have to say that a lot of it is part of the hormone change. Okay. Um, I mean, your hormones double during pregnancy. And fun fact, they return to normal within 48 hours post Oh my gosh. That makes sense. Which is a massive crash. Uh-huh. Why well, you feel that, insane. Mm-hmm, that impact on your body, as long, along with whatever birth experience you had, someone who's, I know I've had a C-section. I mean, that's now massive surgery on top of the hormonal changes, which is a different reaction going on chemically in your body. Um, but that can lead to prolonged hormone imbalances, which is why it feels like that hormone shift is not balancing itself out for months or even a year. And it can lead to an endocrine disruption, which Tina can share about as well, which could impact basically the reaction to your emotions and the reaction to distress. Yeah, I think the, the endocrine disruption is really important where... I don't want to get into genes and this whole thing, but basically, you know, we have specific genetics that are lying dormant and, you know, things turn on and off depending on our environment, our stress level, whatever. And so I genetically am predisposed to have thyroid conditions and autoimmune. And I knew that, but going into um, birthing Henry, I was 35 years old and had not yet had any thyroid issues, so thought I was in the clear. And then postpartum, like Rachel's talking about, had, you know, we're all experiencing this hormonal crash. And then on top of it, that actual stress that occurred triggered the genetic switch of an endocrine disorder. So actually I was diagnosed, but not until 10, Henry was 10 months. So 10 months postpartum with a raging thyroid disorder. My uh, lab work was off the charts. And I remember my doctor looking at me being like, do you feel okay? And I'm like, well, no. 
And he was like, your TSH is at a level where you should not be functioning appropriately. And I'm like, oh, I'm not functioning appropriately. I just thought this was normal, right? And then I really, as stuff, as I got on medication and my thyroid started regulating and I set better boundaries in my life, we had less visitors. Henry was sleeping through the night. I, you know, was really communicating more about the stress that was going on, the feelings that I was feeling, got a therapist. That stuff really started to normalize out. But that was 10 months. That really didn't start until 10 months postpartum which to me, it just breaks my heart to know that I really suffered for that, that long. I think that brings us to the importance of the self-care because what happens is often there's a cycle. Often the depressed parent will try even harder to prove they're okay by being that super parent or that super mom, which then leads to not taking care of yourself. So you're not eating sufficiently, you're not drinking enough water, you're not sleeping enough, whether or not that's your choice. Um, And you're not necessarily asking for help because you feel a lot of shame about how you're doing. So then you're feeling even more vulnerable. And then that actually increases depression and negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself as a parent. So I think that whole cycle, you got to figure out exactly where we start breaking that cycle, whether it's the medical side or whether it's the self-care side, but it is a cycle that needs to be looked at in multiple different spaces. I think it's so hard because it's like, what if you don't have another option, right? Like, what if it's like, what if your partner is just really disconnected or... Like in my situation, it's like my husband will do whatever I need if he's around, right? If he's in town, not working, whatever. But I have to ask him, right? And so a lot of the time I'm like, I don't want to ask. I just want you to do. But his argument is I don't I don't know because you're alpha basically. Like I, you know, my life, my career doesn't really allow it. So I feel like No matter what, I'm constantly in that role as alpha, the overachiever that I have to do it all. And then you're right. As a result, you kind of lose yourself, right? You lose yourself. You lose self-care. Like, I I don't need bubble baths. I, I need to be more connected to myself internally. I need more quiet time for me. And I don't really see that happening for 18 years. I don't know. Help me. Well, I think that brings us back to the listener question, which was, I feel like I'm just surviving and not thriving. Not thriving. And I think that, but I think the biggest, it sounds like it's not helpful, but it is somewhat helpful, is realizing that this will not last forever. And this is not going to necessarily be your reality forever. This is a really acute phase, that first year, especially maybe a little bit longer than that. But there are stages to this process of raising children. And yes, it will It will always be hard, but it will change. And this, this acute cycle of the physical imbalance and the, the physical struggles, as well as the psychological pressure and overwhelm, that is somewhat of what they call an acute symptom. Uh, I'm sorry, an acute phase. And I love the phrase, like, you have to, like, just try to focus on putting out the fire first, which means you you do have to focus on the survival pieces, the eating, the sleeping, the drinking, the water, the showering, the asking for help when you can. And it's okay if you're only in survival mode. 
because this will get a little bit different. <laughs> I'm not saying better. It will get different. But I think it's okay for, for parents to tell themselves, like, I am just in survival mode right now, and therefore I need to give myself permission to put energy towards putting out the fire because that is very productive and that is very supportive to myself. Pouring myself that glass of water and sitting down for a minute, it I might not feel like I'm contributing to the general economy <laughs> or the solution to COVID and world peace, but damn it, I'm taking care of myself and I have to put myself first in this yeah. in this space. Yeah. I think so. the hardest thing that for me to that like I needed to deal with was the massive shift in my life, right? And I think that that really led to whatever hormonal and environmental stuff was going on postpartum and then it added a layer to that which was like I was really I was really social I was a part of this really awesome running club and my life just can't fit that in right now and so that before was like this massive coping skill for me this outlet that was my therapy right and now I'm having to really navigate what this new life is like and then finding other resources and coping skills, you know, quote unquote, self-care that really just keep me grounded as I'm like exiting out of that really intense first period of childhood, right? Yeah, I think we don't talk enough about the loss that we experience when we become a parent, which sounds strange because you're, you know, gaining a human, but you are losing who you used to be. Yeah. You're, you're losing, your relationships are changing, your role in the world is changing, your self-care now has to pivot, um, the emotions that you're experiencing have to change. So I think one of the biggest journal prompts that we give clients who are struggling with this and that I have done for myself is really just identifying what was my journey to parenthood, what has changed, what is my story now, and then kind of looking at how to figure out who I am and what my identity is and what my what my space is that I'm taking up now in this world as a result of those changes. And there's there's obstacles to this, especially because we live in a pretty heteronormative, pressured society. So there's not enough support for all family dynamics. There's not enough support for the different cultural implications of different family systems or different ways that people prefer to raise their children. Um, there's not enough support for military families. Um, there's not enough support for single parents, same sex parents. So everyone has their own family system and then their own unique journey to becoming a parent. So I think the more we can open up the dialogue about just what every single person is uniquely going through, the, the more we can kind of really help support them in the way that that person needs. Right. And I think that again, comes back to kind of the main point that you were addressing in the beginning, which is normalizing this experience, right? And so really trying to find that group, like if you are a military spouse, are there other military spouses that you can kind of connect with and just commiserate of like the hardness of this? And like, it is really hard when your spouse doesn't live here and you are taking the brunt of the responsibility. Um, or just really, like I was saying before, having Rachel to kind of reality check me and like, yes, this is normal, Tina. Like, this is really hard. Do you want to hear about my day with my three kids, like destroying my home while I'm dealing with all these stressors? Like, yes, I actually do want to hear about that because I'm upset over this thing and hearing somebody else go through something different but similar is actually really helpful and normalizing for me. 
one thing since I, I experienced anger in my postpartum period, um, and that typically is like my go-to emotion, right? It's like anger and then sadness and frustration and all these things. Um, I really created like this resentment list where it was like, here are all the things that I'm angry about and or resentful about, right? And that from there, I was able to in therapy or even with friends, just kind of pick apart. And now granted, some of them I really can't control and I don't think are gonna change right now. but at least I've been able to process them and, and wrap my head around it. And some of them I actually can control and shift and change. And that has really allowed um, me to do some movement forward with that. It's not the same because like you're saying, Rachel, life happens and things are different and our life has changed. But at least we can wrap our head around that. Do you feel like you have any other resources that you can share? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the resentment is a great word to identify, especially in light of what we were also just talking about about support. Like, there, it's okay if you have resentment that there's not support for whatever your family dynamic is or whatever your situation is. Like, that's legit anger that there are not systems in place to support what your right. what your journey is. And and so I think that's really kind of important to then help people find the support their people that can give them that that mental health support or even just normalize it. Um, I mean, one of the biggest ones is PSI, Postpartum Support International. The website's www.postpartum.net. And from there, you can also find a lot of different resources. Um, there's also lots of different blogs out there, parenting blogs, parenting groups, um, whether they're Facebook groups or even just different, different virtual groups or online groups where you can also find the people who are going through maybe a similar experience that you're going through so that you don't feel so alone in that. Um, but yeah, I think I think all of this is kind of going back to the fact that this is a really, really challenging chapter and your physical body is now changed a lot internally and externally, I suppose. We are a podcast about that. And, yep. and your life has changed and your relationships have changed and there's going to be a lot of layers to really heal and unpack in that process. I mean, I guess as a as the, both the professional and the parent, I'll just acknowledge that this shit is hard mm-hmm. and we're all just doing doing our best and give yourself whatever big internal and external hug as possible. Yeah. And as someone that's like going through it and about to literally in the trenches, literally and about to enter into that phase, my, my goal for myself is preparation. So I am more aware. I've recognized what happened last time. I'm trying to put things in place Um, As you will hear in the interview, Stephanie offered some awesome resources, so I am definitely going to fill those out for myself. I'm setting better boundaries around visitors and really just trying to figure out our new family of four. So my self-care is going to be preparation and boundaries. And so I really hope that uh, in this podcast today, in the interview with Stephanie later in the week, that we have provided y'all with some insight and resources to just take better care of yourselves during this really challenging time. And as your friend, I really wish I could just box up a big present of sleep to mail to you. And I, I it kills I me that I can't 
do that <laughs> but I think that also goes to show like it's so hard because you're like I want to support you but I can't sleep for you and I I can't sleep so for I'm you. just gonna try to love you up and I think we can all just try to love up our our peers as much as possible in this process thank you thanks I'm gonna really cherish the sleep I have now and recognize that I know but she could stock up right it will be hard but it will be temporary we hope this episode was helpful for you all and listen to part two, our interview with Stephanie Asher from Self Love Legacy coming out in a few days. Thanks. Bye, everyone. That's a wrap on this episode of the Bite Size Education Series. And we hope this new information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. You can connect with us on social media, on Instagram, at Podcast. And feel free to email your own listener questions to momjeansthepodcast at gmail.com. If you loved the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend the episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mommy. See you next time.